too good to throw away, but too small to be a program on their own. Yes, that's right. It's time for another Blow Pod Snippet Show. We're throwing out a challenge to our Blow Pod listeners. Well, listener. <laughs> yeah. Or two of you. If you can find a horrible song worse than, for example, Hello Kitty by Avril Lavigne, send it to at uh, Dan the Action Man or at the Bloke Pod on Twitter. We'll put it on the next iPod for Hell. And if it's worse than Hello Kitty, we'll, we'll probably we'll start with it. with it. Yeah, because at this stage, that's the early front runner. Track one, next iPod for Hell. Yeah. And we'll uh, definitely mention your name. For the other listener to appreciate. So, <laughs> there it is. Make it happen. Challenge accepted. Another first happened in the NBA this week. Now, it's, it's actually the first time that five final series have gone to seven games in any one round. But uh, the first owner banned for life. Mm. Donald Sterling. Yeah, geez, didn't they throw the book at him? Yeah. And with good cause. And with good cause. Yeah. So, I mean, I... My take on it, and there was a good article on one of the ESPN... Oh, no, sorry, on the ABC website. It's the only thing I don't like is that this was... I mean, the guy's obviously a, a huge racist. Yeah, no, he's got a track record. Yeah, a I number mean, of complaints about his... Uh, I think they call him a slum landlord yeah, in, as in well. In essence, that's how he yeah. made his money... He yeah. made his money by uh, in real estate to mm. in you know large yeah but I mean I don't like the fact that in a private conversation on the phone it, this has all come back to bite him in the ass there's something yeah. I, I mean TMZ as as they pronounce it is just one of my most hated um, you know professional organizations on the planet I think it is Absolute gutter journalism. Um, and I just... There's something quite unsavoury about the way that the whole thing just reported and, and the yeah, story got I'll, broken. Yeah. To put it into a bit of perspective, though, the NBA's been looking for a reason to get rid of this guy for probably about eight to ten years now. Yeah. Uh, it just so happens that the the backlash in this case was so significant. I mean, there's there's... There's a lot of questions that you have to ask about that. I mean, firstly, you know, this private conversation has become incredibly public, which is a, a concern in itself. And yeah. you have every right to be a bit disappointed in that. Yeah. Secondly, you have to take into account that this 31-year-old 30 woman who's all over everything now mm. um, is that, I mean, she, you have to question what her motives are when you consider... That he's 81 and she's 31, firstly. Yeah. Secondly, that um, Donald Sterling's wife is currently in the processes of suing her as well. Goody. And her claiming that she was going to get them back. Mm. Uh, all of these things are in the mix, but you can't condone I mean, what he said. No, Irrespective and, and see, that's, that's the problem with and, it, is that it's yeah. clearly the right decision and they're clearly richer yeah. for having lost him. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, um, I mean, it, look, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth the way all these uh, yeah, supposedly private um, things yeah. just suddenly get made public. And I think, well, the the reality of it is, is that you, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not exactly going to cry for Donald Sterling. He bought it for twelve and a half million. He'll probably end up selling it for close to two billion. Yeah. So, I mean, look, if 
if that's you know what he believes and all of that, well, you know. Well, good luck to him. He's yeah. living in yeah. He's those he's attitudes from a, a bygone he, uh, he's era. Exactly right. He's certainly a man yeah. from a previous time. Yep. And um, I think that yeah, it's the the irony of it all being that you know his team is predominantly all African Americans. No, well, um, his the majority coach is, of basketball his coach, are. His coach is African American, but mm. yeah, I mean this isn't exactly new news to anybody who's followed the NBA. That mm. Donald Sterling is a, you know, he's, he's not exactly a yeah. closet racist. Put it that way. I think the um, the. The most credit in what has been a, a pretty ugly situation in general has to go to the um, the the what's his name CEO so, is it of the NBA? No, yeah. Oh, Adam uh, Silver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I, the first first tough decision Adam Silver's had. He's inherited some pretty big shoes yeah. with David Stern only stepping down three months ago. And yeah. The first big call that he's had to make, and I think that he's yeah he's handled it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and there was a lot of um, a lot of. Respect and admiration in the in the U.S. press for how he handled the press conference in particular. Yeah, um, asked a few curly questions, and I think he's he's well. well I mean, it'd be good to see the AFL, for instance, um, treat a saga and a scandal uh, with this yeah. sort of. That's uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with this sort of just clear and unambiguous outcome. Um, so yeah, I. Yeah, I have a fair bit of time for the way he's handled. No, he's um, he's been quite. I mean, he's been groomed to take that role on now for probably about a good six to seven years. Mm. And um, the owners who essentially Adam Silver works for all all love him because he's 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 all about making it a, a better product for, for all of those guys. So yeah. Um, yeah, look, it was a yeah. As I said, it was the first big challenge, and everybody was wondering what he'd do. Yeah. He probably made a sly call to Dave on the side to uh, to get his input, yeah. but um, yeah, good work, Adam. Yeah, well played. Yeah, and I think look, a, a second to that, I think that um, you know Doc Rivers, the the coach of the Clippers, who's basically been the the only guy from that organisation who's been taking questions on this matter. Mm. I think he's really been a a very strong. Uh, and positive influence, both not only on the team but on re- in regards to everything else with that organisation. He's he's done a, a, a I don't want to say a sterling job, but he's done a, a very it's good too job. Late. You've said it, so <laughs> that yeah. seems a good note on which to finish. <sighs> when it comes time to talk the uh, the round the round, what do they call the world's game? Let's go. The beautiful with that. game. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we will call it the world's game and we go to our South Af- African correspondent when it's time to talk, well, soccer. <laughs> well, he'd probably call it football. Football? Yes. Um... And uh, controversial week this week in the, in the EPL after signing David Moyes to a six-year, $24 million pound deal, we couldn't even get through year one. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit of a shocker. It wasn't a surprise when he was appointed. There were a lot of indications that he was the right man for the job, having brought Everton up with very little money, um, inheriting a squad that fellow Scotsman, the great Sir Alex, had actually put together. Those two often in conversation um, regarding players, regarding the league. Uh, It was a good fit. However, his decisions haven't done well for him. Uh, There's been less positivity than there should be from the manager over the course of the season. Not very positive changes in their tactical play. 
But at the same time, I do find it a bit harsh when Sir Alex stands in front of the fans and requests that they give Moyes the same time as he was given. Um, And then the board go and make a decision following that that is a complete reverse of the faith that was requested. So it doesn't show good faith from the board. It certainly doesn't show a consistency uh, on the leadership side to things. And it's probably got a few fans confused about the culture of do we give a new manager, whoever that's now going to be, do we give him a chance or are we now a club that expect instant results? It's it's very inconsistent, I think, as a decision from the club. Yeah, man, I mean, as a Man U fan, I can probably talk about this a little bit. I mean, he didn't do himself any favours by cleaning house right from the get-go. I mean, if you're going to alienate so many people that have been, you know, a core, core elements in the success of the club over such a long period of time, you sure as hell better succeed. So from that perspective, they've probably done the right thing. But at the same time, it's, it's really tough to take over another person's squad mm. and kind of develop your own style and fit your own style to that particular squad. So he's probably getting smashed a little bit from pillar to post because he hasn't necessarily had the chance to build his own team. But having said that, I would say that some of his transfer decisions would be questionable at best. Our defence has been putrid, to put it quite bluntly. We give, up so many, we give up so many soft goals mm. and he did absolutely nothing to shore the defence up during the transfer windows, which was really surprising to me. Mm. A vastly improved Dukea deserved his place between the posts, but an ageing centre-half pairing with horrible secondary options. Chris Smalling never yeah. deserves a start on that side. <laughs> um, Patrice Everett ageing as well. Occasional flashes, but it looked like Fergie had squeezed the last good parts out of him. Mm. And under Moyes, he was nothing on the player we all know he probably still had in him for this last season. And um, yeah, and I mean, look, and on the offensive front, if number 10 wasn't out there, forget about it. Yeah. We weren't um, seeing anything creative whatsoever. It was, it's been an incredibly frustrating year. Look, I thought they might give him a little bit longer, but yeah. having said that, I can understand the decision that they made. I do worry about putting in favourite son Ryan Giggs into the role. That that's I think a, that's a move to bring back the culture. So, yeah. like you say, after turfing as many people as he did and trying to install his era as such, which isn't necessarily a bad move, but as you pointed out, it didn't deliver the goods, so yeah. it hasn't worked. Yeah. I think the Ryan Giggs move is one of saying, listen, here's somebody who's been here 20 years. He knew almost the entire Fergie uh, reign. Um, if anybody knows the culture of success and the culture of professionalism that we need through what's now going to be a rocky time, yeah. he doesn't necessarily have the management experience, but he has the club experience that's vital to bring what was good back. Um, so while somebody can come in and be a tactical mastermind, whether that's a, a Martin O'Neill, a Jurgen Klopp, um, a Van Gaal, whoever that's going to be, they're at least going to need gigs beside them saying, look, yeah, fine, I like what you're trying to do. You might have to plan that over a couple of weeks to get these people on board. He knows the people. He knows the culture. For now, as a caretaker position, it's there's few better moves than that. Mm. Um, now, as for successes or for who could also understand that culture and come in, I think it would be over Fergie's dead body for Roy Keane to take the position. Um, but mm. that one wouldn't be completely out of place. 
uh, if Roy had a few more years under his belt. So it'll be interesting to see who they replace. I him. mean, yeah, at the end of the day, Sirikes cast a mighty big shadow. and uh, There aren't any bigger shoes to fill in the management game. Yeah. Um, at a club side of things, nobody's been more successful. Um, and it's at a very proud club. Um, so, yes, they are massive shoes to fill. Whoever was going to do it first, wow, yeah, uh, the hardest of the jobs. Mm. And it might be easier for the next person coming in because <laughs> it's a horrible thing to say, but they don't have to do much better with that squad to have done a better job. Yeah. Um, the squad isn't an illustrious £350 million squad, but that's a misrepresentation because the culture of United is to bring younger players through. Their value might be there, it's just a case of they haven't been bought yet, so mm. nobody values the team as highly. Yeah. Um, the players are all there to do it with. They just don't seem as high profile as a Chelsea or a City. Mm. Um, people underrate Carrick, even though he's now getting on a bit. I still highly rate Carrick as somebody who keeps things solid. He's not an exciting player. He's never going to be. Carrick is something you can build a foundation around in that sort of deeper midfield role. You're right, they need to shore up that defence. Perhaps an experienced goalkeeper while De Gea is still building. He's getting much well, better. To be honest, I've been... He's been probably one of the few shining lights of this year for mm. me. So I, I, I just wonder bringing <laughs> somebody else... Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I just wonder what bringing somebody else in might do to his confidence. So mm. um, It wouldn't hurt to give him an added challenge for his development. Mm. Um, I don't think that... Uh, is it, I always get, forget if it's Lindgaard or Lindergaard who's also there in the running and also a youngster. Um, he's quite clearly established himself as favourite over him. I think somebody more experienced might actually cause him to up his game further mm. and accelerate that development. So he might have to wait one or two years. But, um, yeah, I think that's that for me would be a good move. And building from the back, yeah, shore up that defence. Michael Carrick, you can build a lot of distribution planning around. Um, cleverly is a problem. One of the worstly worded... Names ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's talking to a he lot needs, of, He needs to go to Depot and change his name. Talking to a lot of Man United fans, they've seen him in training, they've seen him do some things on the pitch that are individually interesting or exciting, but nobody works out or has worked out what his role is. He runs up and down that field and nobody's really clear on how he fits in. Mm. Uh, so I appreciate his work ethic, I appreciate his technique. He has got some passing ability he can create but he doesn't actually stand up and be counted for a particular role Mm. and it's okay to be versatile it's not okay to be vague Mm. know your job so that you can go and do it and make it clear to everybody how good you are at doing it Mm. um valencia's i've just found out today actually the fastest football player in the world by running um you've got plenty of options on the wings that he's an underrated player as well um, and then, yeah, as, as long as they can hold on to Rooney, mm. you've always got something up front with Rooney. Mm. You might have to take him back to his days of completely harassing defenders and being that little bulldog that he used to be if you have to play slightly uglier football than before. But he's still got it. Uh, from Percy's on his way out, I think that's it's just starting to wane now. It's mm. been beautiful for the last three years. Um, been a pleasure to watch, but I wouldn't bank too heavily on that anymore. They just need something... Yeah, they need a creative force. They need a... Mm. Well, they need Juan Mata at his best. 
yeah. but they also need the distribution that gets him the ball in the right places. And I think the cleverly uh, Fellaini mix is just not right for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sure up the back and moving through that middle spine, Garrick's fine. Fellaini and cleverly aren't. Mata can do a job if you play him deeper of the striker. Mm. Um, problem being, Rooney likes to drift deep, but he can probably adapt to go f- further forward if he wants to. Um, and then, yeah, just shoring up that spine should see them to better days. Now, who's got the gumption to spot the right picks for those positions? I'm actually not sure who the successor should be. Yeah. I think there should be a UK manager. Um, just because, generally speaking, I, Mourinho tends to be an exception, but the European manage, managers, when they come in, they take a while to settle, and if you were going to do that, you could have stuck with Moyes mm. to see if there was any improvement at the start of the following season. If you're looking for an instant impact, whammy decision, um, where you know where everything's going, quick, 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 I'd find a high pedigree manager locally. Mm. And locally, I include Scotland. I mean, Man United have a history of great Scottish managers. Uh, Sir Matt Busby before Sir Alex. I was going to say, the last one did okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think there's there's something solid there. Um, now, who, <laughs> who from Scotland's a good call? I'm not sure. I honestly think Martin O'Neill, if he's willing to take it on, mm. um, he's a man who's played high pressure uh, at high... Uh, sorry, managed at high-pressure clubs uh, with strong rivalries. His Celtic days are legendary. Um, his time in England before that, he saw sides with little money but good talent to nurture. He He's very good with young players. He develops relationships well with experienced players. He's got all of that balance. The only thing that he hasn't been as heavily tested on is how to spend big money. Mm. He's never had huge sums of money to play with. There's apparently a £150 million war chest waiting for the end of the season. Um, What he brings in at what level using that money is probably the first time he'll have a challenge of that nature. Um, And that then comes with, hopefully in future years if he had the job, not as much um, later stage European experience. He's obviously taken Celtic to the earlier stages of things like the Champions League or Europa Cup. But, uh, yeah, when, you, when you're facing a, a semi-final against Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, one or two of the Italian clubs, mm. one or two of the German clubs now, yeah. Um, you, yeah, that's, that's a challenge that you kind of only um, gain experience from by doing it time and again. Um, that being said, he's got some European experience, so it's a it's a hard call. Uh, he was he was one of my favourites to take the Man United role after Moyes, mm. and I still think it's a good fit. It's a question of whether he's willing to take it up. There you go. You heard it here first. Well, Dan, you asked me to make some predictions for the NBA season. I'm a little bit worried at the moment, to be honest. Well. Not about one thing. I mean, Miami took care of Charlotte in four straight and would have to absolutely be laughing with how it's breaking open for them at the moment. But Which I believe was my prediction, for the record. Absolutely <laughs> unbelievable out west. In the, 
three of the four series are going to seven games, and the fourth series would have gone to a seventh game if Damien Lillard didn't hit a shot with less than a second on the clock today. So... um, Exciting time. Ex- yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, it's just been unbelievable basketball too. There's been a ridiculous number of games gone to overtime. Mm. Well, I did For- see uh, Vince Carter's yeah, well, uh, three pointer the other day. That was pretty epic. Yeah, well, the Oklahoma City Memphis series in particular has probably been the best of the lot. Four mm. four games in a row went to overtime, which is unbelievable. Mm. The Portland Houston series had two that I remember. There's been a couple of others in a couple of the other games as well. But, um, yeah, the road teams have slightly edged ahead of the home teams in the in the count on the games. So mm. all the teams that have played for home court advantage for this game seven, it might not be the advantage that you think it would be. So, mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, Miami have gone through relatively unscathed. But um, Oklahoma City, the Los Angeles Clippers, San Antonio Spurs and Indiana all have to win game seven. So uh, I think in future, let's just not make predictions. It, it just seems to end badly for us. We're <laughs> shooting down our own credibility, just one prediction yeah. at a time. St Kilda for the wooden spoon. Yeah, St Kilda or Ashes calls. Uh, yeah, yeah there's countless predictions. Too countless to count. Oh, well, I think it's opened up. I mean, Miami, once again, it's, it's unbelievable the, the luck that they've had with, with injuries there. Their first round series, the um, the other team's best player gets injured halfway through game three oh, and can't play game four. When and they they were a chance to actually take it to uh, take it to Miami at least while they were playing in Charlotte. So um, and yeah. so I believe you got some good news in the uh, the fantasy basketball as well. Yeah, yeah, back, back to back, back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Rant unnecessary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no thanks to you day to day chumps, but no, no. Um, I had a couple of huge games from. Um, I think Mark Gasol was one who in the last. I think it was the a couple of teams. I still had a couple of teams where they were jockeying for positions, and it was in their their best interest to win. And I had players from uh, from those teams, and they they had very big games. I think Mark Gasol had a huge game in one of them, mm. and uh, I. I, I, the, I think the two Toronto boys who I've had for most of the year as well were were Came pretty good. epic in their mm. in their last game too because they were fighting for home court advantage. So um, yeah, I managed to sneak by with a forty point win. So take that pole there. Yeah, with an inferior team. Yeah. So you've got to uh, yeah. <laughs> It, ta- it, it takes pure fantasy skill to win with an inferior team, I think. So, so is, is that why uh, Matty C managed to knock me off last week, is it? <laughs> Our South African correspondent, you know, yeah. who's, who's still torched, learning about... Torched my ass. Still learning about the game of football. Hadn't yeah. won a game all year, was sitting dead last on the ladder, comes up against me, oh, and by Sunday, it was beyond a joke. I was saying to, to Mr. Jamison here, just... Every single point of difference player I had could be relied upon to shit the bed big time. Just Jack Darling, Dustin Martin, David Swallow, Tom Rockcliffe, all of them. Uh, Nick Revolt, just, uh, yeah. My entire team Usually on paper, pretty good performance. Exactly. Yeah. And on paper, I was like, oh, this, this shouldn't even be close. But I've got to give full credit to Matty. See, he, um, he, he basically made it... It made me just question how exactly he hasn't won a game all year because he went from 
Owen, Owen 0-5 he would have been to top scorer in our comp last week, and quite comfortably so, with a shithouse captain. He had Chapman as captain rather than um, Ablett or Beams, who would have yeah got him an extra 50 points on top of that. So, yeah, yeah full credit. Um, I've got him in a few weeks, and I'm, I'm, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the sweat's starting to... Yeah. Uh, well, at least, at least it won't be his first win. Yeah. <laughs> you can only have one of them. But as for Congratulations you... Congratulations for popping yeah. this cherry, by the way. As for you, you rat bastard, second year in a row you've done this to me, tanking in the bye rounds for the first one and then coming up against me in the second one. So you've got all this time now to just basically prepare your team for me without worrying about the weeks before. It's not cool, man. It's not cool. It's twice you've done that now. Bastard. Well, um, I actually, I didn't know when I was playing you until I, yeah, you told me last of night. Of course. So, uh, I was actually worried I was going to cock you round eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, much better. Oh, so, uh, always falls out that way. Yeah. So, uh, but, um, yes. So that's the latest from the world of fantasy Interesting, uh, yes, and... Uh, the NBA, very interesting this year. Certainly out west. West is definitely uh, wild at this stage. Oh, God. That's terrible. And actually, I do have another fantasy rant. This is the fantasy coach killer right here. I'm playing this new uh, the baseball challenge on the ESPN site. It's not quite full fantasy, but essentially you get a salary cap of £50 pounds and you're asked to pick nine players across the nine positions, including a, a DH, and a pitching staff. Now, the first week I did this, my pitchers lost me a shitload of points because they, they go into negatives for um, runs conceded, hits conceded, ball on base, and all those sorts of stats. So, looking at my team at the start of this week, before I had to lock it in, I was like, well, oh, I really need to do something about my pitching staff. So, I essentially did a Joe Hockey, completely rejigged my books, you know, balanced everything out, got a bunch of cheap players in. And went, spent planning, all the big bucks... Planning to retirees uh, in the next Yeah, box. exactly. <laughs> spent all the big bucks on the Atlanta Braves, who had the best pitching staff in the M- MLB. They were number one for strikeouts, number one for ERA. The first pitcher who was playing for me that week had an ERA of 0.89. After the first three games, they were on negative 30 for the week. They went minus 14, minus 14, minus 2. The first two games, they conceded nine runs apiece. And then fifth in the third one. Now, what the fuck, Atlanta? What the fuck? What are you doing to me? That was pretty much more than my entire team that the rest of my team had scored. (coughs) God, I'm dying. Just like Atlanta are. So, I want to know, what the hell's going on? There was nothing brave about that performance. Nothing at all. Thank you, Darcy. You want to give them all the tomahawk chop? Oh, not happy. So, yeah. I haven't checked the last couple of games, because, to be honest, I've just been too frightened to do it. But, yeah. Not happy, Atlanta. Not happy. So, Matt, tell us what you think about the AFL footy app. It's got to be the worst app I've actually ever seen in my entire life. I play a couple of fantasy sports, and the bare minimum that any of them meet is that you actually see the points of your players as the week progresses. I'm not asking for a live update point by point. That is somewhat harder to do. GJ and I are, though, for the record. Yeah, (laughs) right. But as a bare fucking minimum... 
You should be able to see points of your players once that week of games is over. Maybe day by day is asking a little much, but I expect that as well. So, put bluntly, how? How can you have a fantasy sports app that doesn't show you the updated player scores? And that's what the NAB AFL Fantasy League has done. They've fixed it since, but it's still shit. It's hard to use. It's ugly fucking looking. And I don't know where everything is. <laughs> sort your so, shit uh, out. I, I know, so apart, I know, apart from all of those things... Apart from all yeah. of them, I love it. The user face sucks. The reporting ability of the the key thing sucks. Keeping track of your score, that sucks. Uh, finding players to trade, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Wait, wait, you're but apart to from trade that, in fantasy? apparently. <laughs> but apart they from that, they don't know that yet, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I apart from that, version. it's great. So yeah, apart, say, apart from that, yeah, apart from all those minor Apart from fours, that, I give it five out of ten. Only five out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> A bit of what I hate this week for Nick Natanui. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I do find it very, very interesting. This, the same people who build him up are more than happy to tear him down. It's Anything yeah. that gets them a headline. But, I mean, look, at, at the same time, I mean, I, I look at the two people that have taken the biggest shots. Dermot Brereton and Gary Lyon. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gary Lyon, the man who appointed Dean Bailey, the man who appointed Mark Neal. It's not exactly what you'd call a strong track record. Yeah. And, I mean, look, what, also the Melbourne involvement. <laughs> I was going to say, we should just put a, put a, that picture of him on the stretcher yeah. up on the Blokepod yeah. website I this mean, week. <laughs> it's a, you know what God... You ever heard of Godwin's Law? No. Which is... Enlighten me. It's a theory that um, a professor, surname Godwin, I can't remember his first name for the life of me now, but he, uh, he had a theory that essentially... On any controversial types subject, that uh, the longer a, a discussion or a thread was going about said subject, uh, the, the likelihood of Hitler or the Nazis coming into the conversation <laughs> tends to one. I like it. Basically, <laughs> so it's basically how long till a reference to Hitler or the Nazis coming. Now, I mean, with with Melbourne people and Fremantle people in particular, like. I reckon Nick Natanui could walk into the middle of the Swan River, mm-hmm. walk across water into mm-hmm. the middle of the Swan River, mm-hmm. pick up 10 kids that were drowning, put them on his back and, and walk back and put them on the foreshore saving their so, lives. And the reports from Melbourne and Fremantle people would be that Nick Natanui can't swim. <laughs> I mean, you... you well... <laughs> look, let, let's, let's oh, be just, honest. Just, just on him, though, yeah. I'll just make this one point. No. He suffers that people refuse to accept the in-between. They believe that there's only two extremes, that he's the greatest footballer ever to have played, yeah. and that he's totally crap. I think perhaps the worst thing that ever happened to him were those three goals that he scored in that first game against Hawthorne. Second game. But, uh, second game, sorry, yeah. Because once that happened, the tone had been set. I mean, let's yeah. face it, has he done anything better than that in his career? Possibly not. Um, you know, I can think of a couple he's of... He's had some great he, games. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I can think of a couple of games where he's been, you know, the the dominant player on the ground. But I think that was... that Because that sort of set the bar so high for him straight away. But, but I, mean, I mean, let's be honest. Even, even with that game as well, he did nothing in the first three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's quick to forget that. He got two Brownlow votes, for God's sake. And mm. he, I think he had... Seven possessions, yeah, at most. So three of them were the goals at the end. Yeah, but let's be honest. A lot of this, 
it's um, interesting timing because he's in the process of signing a new deal. Let's be honest, Nick Nananui is not worth a million dollars a season. Let's also let's also be honest. It's blatantly obvious that he's playing injured at the moment. But, but uh, I'm, then don't play him. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you saw him at but the But I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say that's my other point. Mm. I think that the Eagles have horribly mismanaged him for yeah. 18 months now. Yeah. I mean, you saw him at the basketball finals yes. a couple of weeks ago, and you said he was practically limping. He came yeah. out. Um, a, he could a have walked, of, He yeah. couldn't put any weight whatsoever on his right ankle. Mm. He came out a few days after that and didn't take a mark. Had three touches and that before he was subbed off at three quarter time. Yeah. You've got Lysette and Sinclair running around as your reserve ruckman. Mm. What the fuck is he doing out there? Why yeah. are you playing him? What do you possibly, unless, the only thing I can think is that they're trying to actually drive his value down and give them uh, give themselves a stronger negotiating position in terms of sorting out his new contract. Mm. That's all I can see. That's yeah. the only possible upside I can see from that situation. Yeah, but, and if, but and if, look, if that's the angle that you're playing, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I, th- I just get... It's easy to see why he... Yeah. It draws such uh, criticism because, I mean, he, the West Australian will use any excuse to plaster his face all over the front page. The whole yeah. Channel 7 contract thing, he is, there's so much oversaturation of him, it's easy to see why he would get a lot of people's go. Yeah. I just get, I mean, my, my only frustration, I, as I said, I think that people always deal in the two extremes when it mm. comes to him. Is that they don't realise that he's a very good player. He's mm. not an elite player. He's a very good player. He makes the Eagles a five or six goal better team when he's fit yeah. and in the ruck. He makes our below average midfield, to be honest, mm. look better than they actually are. But yeah, he's not. He's not yeah. fantastic. And again, I think what this all comes back to is for me if you say something about Nick Nui, it's going to get reported yeah and that for me I think is just Gary Lyon and, and you can't Harrison just say well, chasing headlines yeah you can't say Nick Nui is a very good footballer people don't yeah. say that they want to deal in the extremes because yeah. they want to help propagate yeah that news cycle and I mean full credit to him when it, with what he came out and said yeah that was that was very yeah. impressive I mean it shows you that I mean he might be struggling a little bit as a footballer, but let me tell you one thing about him. There's no struggles with regards to him as a person. His mm. head is well and truly screwed on. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, him, him just saying, well, everybody goes through this. I guess it's my turn now. It's good for me. It's going to give me the kick up the butt that I might need. I think that that's, you know, just a tremendous attitude to yeah. take under the circumstances. And hopefully soon he'll... He'll get himself sorted injury wise, yeah, look, and come back and just play consistently. There was some, there was some good signs last week. Mm. Yeah, I, he's still struggling to run out a game. I think that that's the the key thing that I'm seeing with him. But you're seeing sparks there, and if he's if he's able to keep getting a clear run at it, um, yeah, look, the second half of the year, watch out. I tell you what, there's a new commentator, well not a new commentator, no, but there's a commentator who's going near to Darcy-esque levels in my uh, estimations. Crackers. Yeah, Dermot Brereton. Yeah. yeah, we don't love the way he goes about it. <laughs> yeah, see, what is well, it about Dermot that, that well, really gets you going? thing, it's the way that everything he says 
even the most mundane comments, he delivers them as though they're the most earth-shattering revelations ever spoken. Wow. That that covers it. Yeah. It's it's, it's actually quite hard to do that without breaking, you know. And the other thing about it is is that occasionally he goes to a squealy type voice to make a point. And those are his two modes of delivery. Either profound or or, or pitched. Yeah. It's like somebody who's grabbed his nuts and chucked a bit of vice at times. It's... Yeah. Yeah, but... He is quite quite dreadful. Yeah, he's bringing the special back to special comments. Yeah. Yeah. Although Hamish McLaughlin today was... I mean, he he out-hamed himself. Oh, sorry. I still can't decide whether to call him Haim Hammer or or Hamo. (laughs) (laughs) But he... Oh, just call him nepotism. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now that his brother's officially the CEO. But it's just dreadful the way he just pulls this random crap out of his ass. It's bad enough that he does that. He then proceeds to, like, develop it further. So he'll, he'll pull some stupid, you know, turn of phrase or wordplay out. But then he'll continue going on with it for about an extra half a minute, trying to work new players into it, new references into it. The bloke's just a fucktard. He doesn't call the game. He he calls what he's seeing with his own little, um, you know, notepad of references and random stats to work in. Like today it was, it's um, 378 days apparently since Ryan Schoenmakers did his knee. I mean, you can just call it a year. Haim, you idiot. We don't need to know exactly how... I mean, how many minutes was it as well? Fuck! How many seconds? So much just just random bullshit like that that seems to... He peppers his comments with crap like that. It makes it so irritating to listen to him. Whereas, meanwhile, you've got Baz in the background who who couldn't, you know, get a guy's name right to save his life. All all I know is Baz is... You need to wait at least five seconds after he's called someone's name for him to then correct himself and you can find out who actually who actually well, had yeah. the ball. Well, uh, keep the goal the, uh, the, mark. the Saturday Night Guy is uh, famous for that too. BT's mm. not exactly known for his precision. Yeah. With, uh, uh, not to mention um, Eddie McGuire. Eddie when, McGuire. He, when he calls the WA teams, I reckon he, he knows about... Maybe ten West Coast players. Uh, yeah. That's probably giving him too much credit. And it'd be sort of the big ten too, the, the ones that everyone knows. But when someone like um, Jamie Cripps, for instance, last week when he was getting the ball, Eddie clearly had no clue who had it. Yeah. So yeah, just Foxtel commentators, please lift your game because you are really starting to piss me off. No, that was a little bit too insightful. It's <laughs> <laughs> an ad on the TV at the moment, Dan, that's absolutely shitting me no end. <laughs> and this is your role. Why the hell am I stepping up here? <laughs> the, the Hungry Jack's Whopper ads at the moment, where the guy goes to the girl at the bar and says, uh, what Whopper do you want? And it's oh, a choice of two Whoppers. A choice of two! Yeah. Two! And they, and they make it out like they've been there all night while she's trying to make a decision. 
Firstly, if she's so indecisive, just smack her on the head and tell her to get her own burger. Yeah. God. Just just send her packing because if she can't make a decision that simple. But secondly, there's two. Man, rather than waste my entire night, just fucking buy them both. Toss a coin and pick one. Jesus. Well, Faye, then just buy them both and go, look, since, you, since you're a stupid woman in this case and you can't decide between a barbecue bacon burger and a Mexican I got you both. Burger. I'm going to leave them here. Good luck deciding which one to eat for the next 12 hours. I'll, yeah. I'll be at the bar yeah. chatting up with someone else. Chatting up with someone else that can actually make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Official, official um, burger of the AFL, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> what more can we say? 